pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Thanks for joining us again tonight on Facebook Live. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo, and my wife and I pastor Faith Fellowship Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm coming to you tonight again from the comfort of my own home. Uh, some of you have been wondering about in-person services on Wednesday night like we used to have. And uh, we have considered that prayerfully, and we just feel like it's not time right now. But as soon as it is, you'll be the first to know. So, again, thanks for joining us. I got a really good lesson for us tonight. Uh, I usually try to come up with things that will help us in life, things that will move us forward, things from the Word of God that are relevant for the days and the times that we're living in. And tonight I've uh, come up with a study about being not only successful, but having good success. So let's open our Bibles to Joshua 1 verses 9, 5 through 9. Joshua 1, verses 5 through 9. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Uh, this is when Joshua was handed the mantle and he became the leader of Israel after the death of Moses. And he was chosen to lead Israel into the promised land. So God is talking to him and giving him some pointers on how to be successful going into the new land. And he says in verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, you continue to speak it. Speak the word all the time. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Just continue to speak it. And he says, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So the purpose of meditation is so that you observe to do all that's in the word, all the things that you're meditating on, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. See, if you don't know the word, you can't do the word. For then, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. It's nice to know God's with us everywhere we go. I want to talk to you tonight about success, but not just success. I want to talk to you tonight about good success, and there is a difference between success and good success, and that's one of the things that we're going to learn tonight. Now, some of you may feel, well, I'm already successful. You know, I had a good career. I'm retired. I got a pension and I'm doing pretty good. You know, well, how could I be more successful? Well, if that's you and that's how you feel about it, then praise the Lord. I ain't talking to you tonight. I'm happy for you, though. 
But there are a lot of people that feel success is for everyone but them. And, you know, I'm too old, it's too late, I don't have what it takes, I'm not educated enough, I don't have the necessary skills, whatever reason you have, I was born on the wrong side of the track, uh, it doesn't make any difference. There's a lot of people don't feel that they could be successful, let alone have good success. But according to what we just read, if you do the word, anyone can have success and they can have good success. Even if you already consider yourself successful, there are always areas in your life that you could be more successful in. For example, I'd like to be more successful in managing my health. You know, I had to repent for what I ate for dinner tonight. I should have remembered what the word said, that gluttony is a sin before I ever sat down to dinner. And I should have remembered that a man given to appetite should put a knife to his own throat. In other words, if you're controlled by your appetite, you can't control your appetite when you sit down at the table. He says, put a knife to your neck. <laughs> but anyway, there are areas that we need more success in, and that is one of them. But people have different uh, definitions of what success is. And you may be experiencing success to a certain degree, but I want to experience what the Bible calls good success, because there is a difference. But in order to experience this type of success, good success, we have to be obedient to the word. That was well established in our opening scripture tonight. You have to live according to the word. Proverbs 10.22 tells us that the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich, but addeth no sorrow with it. So, you know, uh, being rich is one thing, but having sorrow with it is another thing. God wants us to be rich. He wants us to prosper, but he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to be truly happy in our riches. And, uh, you know, you may have money and material possessions, but if there is no joy, if there's no happiness with it, then you can't call yourself rich or successful, not according to the Bible's definition of rich. The Bible def definition of rich is having enough in all areas of your life and some left over to give to the kingdom of God and help the poor. That's the Bible definition of life. I mean, you have rich people out there that have everything they need, but you know, how much is enough? They don't know. They don't know how much is enough. And so greed sets in and they're constantly looking to get more. How can I get more? How can I get more? And it's, it drives them. And even though they're rich, have everything they want, there's no joy with it. There's no happiness, not, no true happiness. I mean, there's temporary happiness. I mean, if you buy a new car, it'll make you happy for a little while. But I'm talking about being rich and having no sorrow with it. You know, you could have a, a brand new Cadillac, a brand new Mercedes, or a brand new whatever is your vehicle of choice. And you can say, look what the Lord blessed me with. But if you got a $600 a month payment and some ridiculous amount you pay for insurance every month, that's sorrow added to that blessing. So that's not a blessing of the Lord because he said he'll make you rich and add no sorrow with it. So there's a big difference in how we define rich and how we define what success is, you know. Uh, the world we live in usually associates happiness and contentment with being rich and crime and discontentment with being poor or underprivileged. And they say that deprived, un, uneducated people or undereducated people who never had anything are the ones that are most, most likely to commit the crimes and to steal and kill and whatever. And, and you know, 
we usually associate these types of activity with the, the underprivileged people or the poor people or the people that never had too much. But then how do you explain the fact that more school shootings occur in rich, affluent schools where a student that comes from a well-to-do family takes a gun to school and shoots his teachers and fellow students? How do you account for that? And, and then how do you explain uh, that rich investors stealing your money and, and you lose your pension that you worked for all your life? And, and how do you explain high-profile already rich politicians doing crooked things, taking bribes and using their influence for personal illegal gain? How do you count rich people and all these movie stars and celebrities that are constantly being arrested on, on drug charges and other things? I mean, these are all rich, educated people uh, that can have anything they want in their lives, and these are the people that are committing crimes. And, and usually at the same rate as the underprivileged, so-called poor people in, in underprivileged areas and neighborhoods. I mean, why is it that rich people commit suicide at double the rate of uh, poor, underprivileged people? I mean, they may be rich, but there's no joy or happiness. And, and, and without that joy and happiness, you're, you're the most miserable person in the world. And that's one of the reasons why suicide rates are double than what they are in the, in the lower uh, income and, and underprivileged people or categories that we call them. Yet they are what we would call successful. The world would call those people successful. How is it successful when you're rich but you're not having any joy with it? There's no happiness with it. You're constantly being driven. You're constantly stressing and worrying about how you're going to keep it, how you're going to make more, who's trying to steal this, how can I cheat this guy and that guy. That's no life. That's not being uh, rich with joy and happiness. Uh, we all want success, and rightly so. But I want what, what the Bible calls good success. And good success comes with joy and peace and happiness. And this is the difference between success and good success. I don't want the success that the world calls success. I want the success that God calls success. I want God's definition of success in my life, or I don't want success at all. You know, if God's not involved in my success, I don't want it. I'd be better off without it. I, you know, I'm not going to settle for success without joy and peace. But in order to experience this kind of success, I know that I have to be a doer of God's word. Uh, that told us in our opening scriptures, we have to be doers. He said, meditate there in day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in the book of, this, of the law in this Bible. So I know I have to be a doer of God's word if I want to experience good success. And, and you know, now this is not a message about tithing. But I'd be remiss if I let you think you will ever have good success, Bible success, without being a consistent tither or giver. And, and I don't check out on me yet. Don't hit that pause button or quit button or go to another channel. Matter of fact, hit the share button. Uh, your first key to good success is putting God first in everything that you do. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right and all these things that you're working for struggling for stressing for he said all these things will be added unto you you don't have to even look for them you don't have to stress over them if you just put me first god says then i will add these things that you need to your life 
So, you know, I don't have to concentrate on a million things in different directions and all this other stuff. All I have to do is concentrate on keeping God number one in my life, keeping him first, keeping the kingdom first and doing what's right. He said, if I do that, he'll add everything that I need to my life. And I've experienced that for a number of decades right now. And I continue to experience that type of success. Uh, and it's because I'm consistent in what I do. And I always try to do what's right. You know, people say to me all the time, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing what's right and I'm doing this and that, and yet I'm not as successful as Joe Sinner next door to me. You know, he's got a new car. He's got a swimming pool. You don't know that much about Joe Sinner. All you know is what you see. Uh, he may have debt up to his eyeball. Uh, and, and another thing, sometimes even people that are unsaved are being blessed because even when they don't realize it, they're doing the word. Maybe he's a giver. Maybe he helps people. Maybe he does things according to the word. And God blesses him because the word is no respecter of person. God is no respecter of person. If you do the word, I don't care what your background is, God will be true to his word. If he says, if you do this, I'll do that, then he'll do it for anybody. Amen. So, you know, uh, a lot of Christians tune out their pastors when he starts talking about tithing because... They think all he's trying to do is get my money. And, and we always associate tithing and giving with money, but that's the least part of it. Most people don't realize that, but the money part of giving is the least of all. T.D. Jakes, uh, the bishop of the uh, Potter's House in Dallas, Texas, he put it like this. He said, the real value in tithing is that it brings structure to your life. And with structure comes priorities, because if you're going to tithe, you have to plan to tithe. It doesn't happen by accident. So, and then he says, tithing or giving on a regular basis is systematic, consistent, intentional, intelligent, prepared, committed, giving from a willing heart, and it comes from a disciplined, deliberate lifestyle. Remember that, a disciplined deliberate lifestyle. You know, there's many benefits to tithing and giving, but the main attribute, the most important value that tithing and giving will teach you is discipline because you will never be a consistent giver or tither without discipline. Uh, your pastor, or I say pastor, but it could be your priest, apostle, bishop, or whoever you sit under, whatever they, they call themselves, your leader, uh, he wants you disciplined in life more than he wants your money. I can guarantee you that. If he's an honest man of God, woman of God, I can guarantee you he's more concerned about you being disciplined in life than he is getting your money. Now, here's what's so great about tithing and being consistent givers. If you can discipline yourself in this area of life, tithing or giving of your money, giving of yourself, if you can discipline yourself in that area of your life, then you can discipline yourself in all other areas of life, including your flesh and your behavior. See, you'll be disciplined to walk in health. You'll be disciplined to exercise, to eat properly, not do like I did tonight, to not oversleep, to not miss work, to not drink alcohol, to not smoke, to not yield to temptation, 
to control your temper, to read the word, to pray. You'll be disciplined in all these areas of your life because if you can discipline yourself in tithing, then you can discipline yourself in every area of your life because tithing is probably the hardest discipline that you will ever have to conquer. That's one of the hardest things to do is become a tither on a consistent and regular basis. But I'm telling you, the blessings in tithing alone, without even being successful, the blessings in tithing and the promises that God made. He said that if you, if you give tithes and offerings, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And what's the devourer do? He eats everything in your life. He's trying to eat, kill, and destroy all the benefits in your life. And, and he said he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. He said the fruit of your vine won't fall to the ground before it's time. In other words, you'll be able to reap your own fruit and eat your own fruit. It's not going to fall to the ground and rot. He won't allow that to happen. And he said that if you tithe, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you don't even have enough room to receive. Just that in itself is a good reason to be a tither and a giver. But besides that, even more important than that is being disciplined enough to do it because if you're disciplined there you'll be disciplined all the rest of the areas of your life and, and that's how you experience good success see the world thinks success is measured by how much money you have or how many material possessions you have how many cars how many boats how many houses and how many this and that but but that's a misconception uh, trust me if you don't have your health all those things don't mean anything if you don't have any joy or peace, those things don't mean anything. You won't enjoy them. Uh, you won't, they won't bring you happiness. And don't get me wrong, I realize success is associated with achievement, and rightly so, because success is a reward for your hard work. Because if you're going to be successful, then you have to set goals in your life, not, even, not just set the goals, but you also have to achieve the goals in your life, which means you have to keep your eye on them at all times. But there are other ways to measure success as well. Are you successful in raising your family, being a good husband or a wife, being a good father or mother? Are you successful in other relationships in your life? Are you successful as a businessman or a woman, as an employee, as a leader? Are you successful as a friend? All these things count towards success. And you know what I consider to be more accurate ruler to measure success? is not by how much you have or the things that you have, but how well respected you are by the people that know you the best. How well respected you are by the people that know you the best. That's how I count success. I consider myself to be successful not because of the things that I have, uh, not because of my house, my cars, my bank account, uh, my ministry, two successful careers with uh, UPS and Ford. I don't consider that part of my success. The, or It is part of my success, but I don't uh, attribute all my success to that. I feel like I'm successful because I sit down to dinner every Sunday with my family sitting around the table with me. And not so much since COVID-19. We haven't been able to do that like we used to. But we used to meet at a restaurant almost every single Sunday and have dinner face-to-face -face and talking with one another. I call that success. Uh, being surrounded by people that you love and you also love is a sign of good success. Uh, you know, I think you're successful when the people that you know the best respect you the best and respect you the most. I mean, what good is it to be successful if you die alone? Uh, the world thinks that the one who dies with the most toys wins. 
but I got news for you. You're still dead. And, and if you died alone and without Jesus, then I will call your life a complete failure in every way. So there's more things to success than money and monetary uh, or uh, material goods. But when you impact people uh, with your life by giving them your love, your time, your attention, your gifts and talents, and yes, sometimes even monetary or material blessings to enhance their lives, then that is what I call being a good success. And one thing you'll always see in successful people is that they have vision. And, and I believe you have to have vision to be successful. And I'm not just talking about eyesight, not that type of vision. I'm talking about foresight. I'm talking about vision uh, that is different than just seeing things. Uh, sight shows us what it is now, our, certain, our uh, circumstances that we're in right now. We just see the here and now. But vision shows us what it should be and could be. And that's what I'm talking about. That's the type of vision I'm talking about. Uh, we're supposed to be people of vision. And that's why we're instructed to walk by faith and not by sight because faith is always forward looking. Uh, the just shall live by faith, by looking forward. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith will bring substance to the things you hope for, and hope is vision. What do you have a vision for? Faith will bring substance to that vision. Faith demands a target. It has to be directed, and your vision will give your faith the target that it needs to operate. Vision sees life as it could be and as it should be. Sight sees it the way it is. Sight sees a sick body. Vision sees a body that's healed. Sight sees you in a new car. Uh, or sight sees that you need a new car. Vision sees it already in your driveway. Sight sees a failing marriage, but vision sees it healed and blessed. Sight sees a, a dead-end job that you're working at, and vision sees a new job with promotions and advancement. Sight sees the proverbial glass half full, but vision sees it, or half empty, and vision sees it half full and rising. Uh, an evangelist, it used to be pastor, and now he's an evangelist, Mark Hankins, and his wife Trina going around the world preaching the gospel. And he's wrote several books. He's an, he's an outstanding author. And he preached a message titled Pioneers, Settlers, and Museum Keepers. Uh, it's pretty famous. It's in some of his books. And uh, he's also preached it as a message. And in that message, he talks about pioneers and how they were always forging ahead, looking for a better place in life. And, and although they came to many good places along the way, they just weren't ready or willing to settle because they knew something better was ahead. And, and they just kept looking for better. They kept forging ahead. And then you have the settlers. They started out as pioneers, but along the way, they come to a place that seemed to be pretty good and it seemed to be pretty comfortable. And instead of forging ahead to a better place, they just settled there and they never did move on. But I can't help think that in the back of their minds, they knew there would have been a better place if they just kept forging ahead, but they didn't want to take the chance. They didn't want to take the risk. And so they settled for their, their current circumstances. And then finally, you have the museum keepers who started out as pioneers and then settled for what was average 
and instead of looking for better, became content with just dusting off memories of the past, living off of memories and past experiences with no desire to change or move forward. It's a terrible thing to be comfortable with where you're at. Uh, we should always be ambitious. We should always seek a better place, not only for us, but for our families and those that we're responsible for. But where are you right now? Uh, this is my question. Are you a pioneer still forging ahead, looking for better and not willing to settle for the norm or what's average to everyone else? You know, my wife and I pioneered Faith Fellowship Church. Uh, rather than take an existing church that needed a pastor, and we did have an opportunity when we first come to uh, the Louisville area after graduation from Rama Bible College, and, and it would have been a lot easier adopting an existing church that was already established just in need of a pastor, but we didn't want to settle for someone else's vision and live off of the memories and experience of their past. Uh, and, and maybe you've settled for where you are in life and, and you don't think there's any use in dreaming for better. And, and maybe you lost that pioneer spirit because you think, you know, what's the use? Maybe you think you're too old or it's too late or you're, you're not smart enough or you're or good enough or whatever it, it, it is. It's not too late. You can always still move forward. And, and, you know, pioneers have vision and vision sets goals and sees the goals on a daily basis. And the Bible even tells us to write the vision and make it plain. Why? To keep it before us and keep it alive. Keep us focused on something. Uh, you know, we press for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's, he's our goal. That's our vision. We keep our eyes on the mark of the high calling, Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're running a race. And when you take your eyes off the goal, then you're going to run a crooked race. You're going to wind up on the sidelines watching everybody run ahead of you. So we have to have a vision. We have to have a goal. And we have to keep our eye on it. Keep it alive. People with vision have standards. And they're not willing to settle for past successes or the present circumstances that they find themselves in. You know, I heard or I read this illustration, but really don't remember where I, I, I seen it or read it. But... It may have even been from Mark Hankins. It might have been from this message on the uh, pioneers and settlers and museum keepers. But anyway, there was this college professor that taught a, a really tough class, and it came to the end of the year and, and time to take the final test. So on the, the day of the final test, all the students are sitting in class, and he starts walking down the aisle, and he puts their tests face down on the student's desk, and everyone was real tense because no one likes taking a test, except my grandson Tyler, and he always does good. But unless you study real hard, most people aren't like that. They don't like to take tests. And if you're like myself, uh, you'll wait till the last minute, and then you'll cram the night before. Uh, so all the tests, and they were face down on the desk, and the professor says, I'm going to make a deal with everyone here. If you want to see on your final test, which is a decent grade for most people, it's passing. He says, you can just get up and leave right now and you'll have a C. <coughs> well, the students are looking at each other and they're thinking, surely he's joking. He said, no, I'm not joking. I'm serious. If you want to see, he says, you can get up and leave right now and you'll have a C on your final exam. So one student got up and walked out, then another and another until over 90% of the class got up and walked out and gladly took the C. And the rest of the students that remained were sitting there because 
They knew they could do better than a C, and they weren't willing to settle for a C. So the professor said to the students that didn't walk out, he said, I want you to understand that life will always meet your standards. Never lower your standards to meet life's demands. A big part of your success is not just your education, it's the standards that you set for your life in your own heart. And I've always said this, this is where you live in your heart. You can change geographical locations, you can change jobs, you can change schools, you can change wives and husbands, you can change homes, but it will always be the same because you're not living out of that geographical location, you're living out of your heart. If your heart's wrong here, it'll be wrong in Boogaloo, Mississippi, or anywhere else that you go. So it's important that you get the standards in your heart set right. That's what brings change. It's out of the heart are the issues of life. But the level and quality of life you live will never be above the standard that you set in your heart. And then he said, now flip the test over. The paper had one sentence on it. It said, congratulations, you just received an A. You know, I can't help but wonder how many people just settle for good enough, just settle for average, just settle for that C in life. I think the reason they do is because that's the standard that they have set in their own heart. But God is saying, I have so much more for you if you'll just decide to raise your standards and not be willing to settle for what you presently have or what you think you're uh, capable of achieving. You know, as parents, we have the awesome responsibility of setting standards in our children's hearts. And sometimes uh, in later years, like we are now, uh, we get to do that with our grandchildren to a certain degree. And if not that, at least we can enforce the standards that their parents have set up in their hearts. Standards that they're going to keep for the rest of their lives. Standards that are made to make them successful. And we're never too old to do that. But never let them settle for things that you know could be better. Uh, make them do things over if they're not done right the first time. Don't ever let them think it's good enough to do less than their very best. Demand perfection in everything they do. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a battle. Uh, you're never satisfied. You're always picking on me. Why can't I do it this way? You're going to hear every kind of excuse in the book, but stick with your guns. Uh, it'll pay rich dividends in your future and their future as well. And when you establish high standards in their hearts, it will keep them in that classroom when everyone else has settled for average and got up and walked out. Uh, the one thing that will keep them from settling for that C is the higher standard that you have set in their heart, the higher standard that they have in their heart to do better. No, I'm not going to accept that C because I'm capable of a B. I'm capable of an A. And that's the standard that you want them to have in their heart. And that's the standard you want them to take into life with them. You know, in the creation, there's always an inward creation before there's ever an outward appearance. Things are created in the spirit first before they ever appear or manifest in the outward, in, in the outward uh, world. Things are created in the spirit or the heart first. You know, uh, thing, uh, things are created in the heart because that's where your vision comes from. You vision things in your heart and then you make them happen. You do whatever it takes to get to that goal. And, and uh, in John, or 3 John 1 and 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as your soul prospers. So here's God's idea on prosperity and, and health. He said above all things. He says, I want you to prosper and be in good health above everything else in your life. Why? Because without prosperity and health, your life isn't going to be very joyous. You're not going to have a whole lot of peace and happiness. And so above all things, he wishes that. But that word pro prosper uh, in the Greek actually means progress. I wish above all things that thou mayest progress and be in good health even as thy soul progress progresses. So you may uh, uh, prog progress on the journey. And Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So, you know, uh, in order to have a, uh, to progress in our journey, we have to be just. And he said if, if we're just, then uh, we'll have a shining light that shines more and more until unto the perfect day. And that perfect day is when we go to Jesus or he comes to us. But prospering God's way is not a certain amount of money or material things. It's just that your life is making progress. If you're making progress, if your life is making progress, it's moving ahead. God considers you to be prosperous. God considers you to be rich. And God wants us to progress. But did you notice that your progress is in direct correlation with the progress of your soul? You'll only progress to the degree that your soul is progressing or prospering. And, and the way that your soul progresses or prospers is by you spending time meditating in the Word, becoming a doer of the Word, spending time in fellowship with God, praying more. And, and uh, progress in your soul or heart always comes before progress in your life. It's always in the Spirit first, and then it manifests on the outside. And, and your, your life will never progress beyond the progression of your soul. So we need to concentrate on our souls. So do you see now why we emphasize going to church, reading more, praying more, fellowshipping with other believers of like precious faith, tithing and consistent giving? It's all part of good success. It's all part of your life progressing forward. Proverbs 23, 7, and I'm getting ready to close here. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Whatever you think in your heart is what you will become. Uh, because again, that's where vision is created. That's where the, the, the goals are set. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. But the thing I want to focus on is the fact that as you think in your heart, that's what you will become. That's what you will progress to be. So do you see why vision is so important and vision sees what it should be and not what it is currently? That's why you have to think like a pioneer, because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is or so he will become. What if all you think about is your past? What if all you think about is your present circumstances? What is tomorrow going to look like? Because there's no goal there. There's no vision there. Tomorrow is going to look exactly like your past. Tomorrow is going to look exactly like the circumstances you're in right now. Why? Because you're not progressing forward. You're not doing the word. You're not becoming a doer of the word. And, and you can't progress any more than your soul is progressing, any more than your heart is progressing. So you have to have the vision of your heart. Now, what if you think about what tomorrow should be or could be like? That would set a goal. 
that would give you a vision. Don't think about the where you are and what you're doing now, your present circumstances. Think about the way you want it to be. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is, so he will become. Start thinking better of yourself. Start thinking of higher places to be in God, better positions in life, more progress in life, more prosperity in life, being rich but not having sorrow with it. Before there's an inward creation, or before there's an outward creation, there has to be an inward creation. So you should think more highly of yourself. And I know you Bible scholars are thinking right now that Paul said in Romans 12, 3, not to think more highly of yourselves than you ought. Yes, he did say that. He said not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. But he never said not to think of yourself highly. You should think of yourself highly. Uh, maybe not more highly than you ought, but you should think of yourself a lot higher than what you're thinking right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for each and every one that's out there. I ask you to touch them, Lord. Bless them in their lives, Lord. I just ask you to manifest yourself greatly in their lives, Lord. Give them revelation. Give them goals. Give them vision, Lord. Give them a vision from the Word of God. Give them a vision from your heart, God. And we know that you have plans for us, not to harm us, but plans to prosper us, plans to give us hope in the future. Show them them plans, Lord. And God, instill in their hearts that they are good enough, that they are worthy enough, that they can achieve the things that they think that they can achieve. And Lord, give them that pioneer spirit back so that they can move forward and that they can progress in life the way that you want them to progress and that they can have the kind of richness and good success that you want them to have and that it would be full of joy and full of happiness and full of contentment and full of peace. And God, I ask you to, I ask for a special prayer and, and without mentioning any names, God, because you know who's in my heart. You know the ones that need these prayers, Lord, but we know people that actually have the COVID-19 virus and, and we've been ministering to them along the way. But I declare and decree right now that this night is their night of freedom. This night, there's going to be their turning point. This night is when they're going to take a turn for the better in such a dynamic way that they'll, they'll know it when it happens, Lord. And that no more being held down, no more being held back. And I declare them to be healed in the name of Jesus right now. And I declare the same thing for anybody else that's sick out there tonight. Anybody else that's experiencing this or any other disease, or any other sickness or ailment, I declare them to be healed by the hand of the Lord. Lord, you said in the word, you sent your word and healed them all. So I send your healing word tonight, and I declare by the stripes of your son Jesus, we are healed. So we thank you for it, we praise you for it, give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we love and appreciate each and every one of you. If you like this message, hit, hit the like button. If you know somebody that needs to hear something like this, hit that share button and send it to them. And hopefully it'll be a blessing to them and it will help them along their journey in life. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday about 10, between 1030 and 11, depending on what time. But we will see you then. God bless you. We love you.
This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord. Thank you.